Welcome to Women in Justice. I'm your host, Dr. Shante James. Our guest is the founder of Positively Productive Systems, LLC. She offers to each client a platform to really look at yourself and evaluate the avenue to positive psychology. It's important to take a step back to understand this concept, but also to focus on you. So let's jump in as she introduces herself as it relates to the topic. Hi, thank you so much for inviting me here, Shanti. I am Lisa Zarotny. I'm a productivity strategist and accountability coach. I'm the founder of Positively Productive Systems and host of the Positively Living podcast. I help multitasking creatives and caregivers reduce their overwhelm and boost their productivity without burnout and without sacrificing what they love. And I think that's going to be a huge part of our conversation here today. And on a personal note, when I'm not sharing (laughs) the wonders of this compassionate approach to productivity and this just passion in general for our lives, I'm having fun with my own passions, which includes my family, acting like a rock star with them, watching movies, hanging out, reading a good book, spending time probably uh, trapped under a cat while reading that good book and definitely with an iced coffee in hand. So that's me (laughs) in the personal realm. But yeah, it's all about living lives that are fulfilling to us. Okay. So of course the guests are always downplaying what they do. So I'm going (laughs) to take a little bit at a time. So tell me a little bit more about um, the program. What does positive productivity, what does that, what does that mean to you? Yeah. That's a great question. So first we have to start with defining productivity. And I know you love to define things on the show and I really (laughs) appreciate that about you. I'm like, if we're going to talk about these words, let's talk about what they mean. So let's start with productivity and this idea that originally and based on the industrial revolution, right? The industrial age, it was doing more, right? You have a certain amount of time and you want to make as many things as you can in that time. You want to do as much as you can. And that do more philosophy has been driven home for ages and now I'm asking you to step back and question that. How about living more instead of doing more, right? And so that's the productivity side is that now we want to be efficient and streamline for what purpose? The positivity side we have to be really careful with. Uh, Too often we can get into this idea of toxic positivity, right? That it's all good and everything's wonderful. That's not what we're speaking of here. Positively productive stands for the positive psychology side of productivity, where we're talking about living a strengths-based life. That is not easy for me to say, but I think I did all right. No, you did a great job. (laughs) Right? Um, When you lean into your strengths, when you lean into your purpose, your values, when you understand where you're coming from and you live intentionally that way, two beautiful things happen, uh, many beautiful things happen, but um, overarching, two beautiful things happen. One is that you have so much fulfillment, right? You light up, which of course has a beautiful ripple effect to your family and to your community and to future generations. And the second thing is you actually become more productive. 
All right, so I'm going to step you back. Um, in the frame of the positive psychology, um, you already put it out there that it's leaning into your strengths. So mm -hmm. typically within our culture, we kind of frame it as your strengths and your weaknesses. Right. So how do you get that individual to shift this mindset that I would argue would be ingrained in us to a point um, as little kids to kind of say, you need to know both. If you don't know both and something, you know, kind of something's wrong. Right. I think to your point, uh, there is this tendency uh, in our society to say we, we do this in school, for example. OK, um, you got all A's, but you got a B or a C or, or you know, something worse. Right. So you got to yes. bring that grade up. And you're right. That is ingrained. But I think in the way that I do this with my clients is by being the questioner that I am is to keep asking why. Why do you need to bring that grade up now? Okay, that's one example. And maybe it's an example where it is worth it. It is worth it to shift that weakness or that place where you're not as strong and make it stronger if it supports you and your life and your goals. But if it doesn't, we have to step back and say, maybe that's not where I need to focus my energy and attention. And what I would urge you to consider is that even if you're like, okay, there's a weakness, there's a problem, I know I need to fix that. If you take a look at the amount of energy you have each day, the amount of time, right? We talk about time management, but I talk more about energy management. We have a finite set of resources in our lives, at, in, in us as humans. Where do you want to be spending that time? on creating something even greater that's going to have a ripple effect, an exponential effect, or by potentially fixing a problem that is just perceived as a problem, but maybe isn't. That's what I would counter and offer you as a question to ask yourself. So in me trying to interpret this, I would argue um, grasping onto a, a different philosophy. How mm -hmm. do you shift this person to understanding it's a lifestyle? Because um, I think, and I can only speak for myself, it's kind of like getting into the, this is what I do and this is kind of the, the stance. And then now you're saying, well, wait a minute. Because <laughs> <laughs> I noticed on your, um, your webpage, you know, looking at time management, looking at um, stress and just really kind of stepping back to kind of say, what's feeding me? Um, mm. Which I think is a, a uh, a shift, a, a, a distinctive shift, I'll, I'll say. You know, you're absolutely right. This is transformation and transformation can take time. And we live in a world where instant gratification is the thing. And I'm not immune, by the way. I, I want things done and I want it done yesterday. So the way that we do that is actually by action and uh by taking small steps. I remember hearing this idea that I absolutely loved, which is that um, our anxiety can be calmed by taking action and by thinking about, right, what, what action can be. And sometimes it's making a decision. Sometimes it's reframing our mind. That is an action as well as actual steps we can take. So when I'm coaching someone, we think about the small step that you can take, the small action that you can take 
in that direction. Sometimes it's releasing the idea that something is a problem that needs to be fixed. But most times it's, but what is working well? Uh, I love the phrase success leaves clues. And by saying, okay, where can you lean into that? And it all comes back to habits. And my favorite example is uh, especially when we're in the new year and everyone's talking about dieting. I'm not a fan of that. I'm a fan of more intentional living and intuitive eating. But when you're trying to do things that serve you better, the idea is to crowd out what you don't think is working with the good. So it's like, as opposed to don't eat the sweets, it's like, eat more vegetables or drink more water. Well, it's that same idea when we take these steps, when we learn about living the positive psychology approach, it's less about, okay, uh, oh, how do I change my mind and no longer try to fix the problems, but more like be curious about what's going on and find the places that are really working well and figure out how to leverage them. My favorite way is by looking at personality and and values and saying, okay, I work with a lot of people who consider themselves neurodivergent and they feel the most lost in the productivity realm because everything is so singular and so specific, right? So I say, okay, but what's the end goal here? Let's play a little, let's be open. You still want to achieve the thing, so we're going to do that. But now we're just taking away your expectation of the how. We're understanding the why and what you want to do. Let's just step back and play with it. So how could it look for you? Great example. I have a podcast and I originally started with a blog because I had the expectation and I was, I guess, received that expectation from the community that I was in that I need to write a blog and I'm a good writer. And just imagine, if you will, this being my blog. That was me blowing an inch of dust off of it because I would not <laughs> write the words. Why? Why? I don't know. There was something that I resisted. And the minute I started my podcast, there was no stopping me. You couldn't hold me back. Well, guess what? The, the idea is the same. I'm still reaching people. That was my word of the year at the time, reach. Uh, and to offer hope and inspiration and very specific actionable advice. Well, guess what? I can do that with a blog. I can do that with a podcast. I can do that so many ways. It's not the how that matters as much as the what and the why, you know, where you're going with this. And then you find the right how for you the proof will be there. And that momentum brings me back to essentially the answer to your question, which is, you know, how do you convince or how do you figure out or take steps is by taking a step and and we work together to find the right step and you will build upon that. And the more that you see that success, the more that you'll be like, aha, we are onto something here. How about that? I don't have to suffer in order to be productive. Okay. So in dealing with your clients and kind of separating them out um, based yeah. upon their gender, how do you see and, and putting it within the realm for this podcast? How do you see yeah. that different for the male population versus the female population? So I speak to uh, 
caregivers specifically. So, um, you know, being fully transparent here, uh, the men that I do work with do tend to be parents, caregivers. You know, there's a certain kind of approach that they have a mindset, but I absolutely see such a distinction with the women that I work with. And I'm a huge advocate for them for so many reasons. I was, I'm not only a parent, but also was a caregiver for my mom. I was a caregiver for my dad as well. He's been gone 26 years. She's been gone 12. And, uh, you know, knowing that stance of how we nurture and we give to each other, I see that constantly in my female clients, especially those who are parents or caregivers. And those are the ones that I tend to attract. It's the uh, it's the giving to others first, but it's not just that. It's the issuing what we need while doing that. And then how, because I question, um, and I've talked to several guests kind of in this room to kind of say, I question whether or not it's been so ingrained in us to... If I'm a good daughter, if I'm a good this, then yes. I'm second. I'm 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 not first. And if I am first, then I'm being selfish. So I hear you on your and, and I and I'm defining it. I would say with your productive mm-hmm. piece, you're you're shifting the person to say, Well, there's a couple of different routes to get there. Let's figure out the route, right? Yeah. Um I guess layering on this wanting to do the right thing and then the guilt that goes with it where do you place the um the positive psychology in that portion so i'm I'm so glad that you brought up this idea of how it's ingrained i was recently reflecting on this idea um i had a conversation with someone and uh it happened to be a someone I'm collaborating with who is male and his perspective on his time during the holiday break and, you know, what he was doing for himself. And it it was very easy for him to say him first. And even for me, I I walk the talk, I coach, (laughs) I coach the topic and I still have to have a conversation with myself, right? Um, To to go beyond that guilt, uh, whether, yeah, if you are, you know, identifying in a certain way, I do believe we've been ingrained to say, if I'm second, it will work. I'm actually on a mission to get beyond this idea of, um, well, I hope on my epitaph it says my mom gave everything. No, I hope that my epitaph says that my mom modeled for me that self-care is incredibly important, that we are all worthy (laughs) of getting our needs taken care of and following our dreams and that she showed me that that harmony was possible. That's, that's my goal. So, so going back to this idea of we have this guilt we talk about it openly, we call it out and we ask, just like you did, where's this coming from? And so many times with my clients, it's their own expectations. Well, what will happen if, or how, if, if, I'm, if I'm not doing this, what am I doing or who am I? And I think that has to be the conversation, right? So is it the, because when a person is saying the who am I, to me, that's the conversation of, this is their identity. So, mm-hmm. um, 
How do you deal with the piece of this is your identity at that moment? But then also when the person passes away, dealing with the new identity of, you know, shifting the conversation to say still you're worth it. You know, um, I think that the identity piece is combative and and or I guess I'm I'm trying to get a sense from you. How does that positive psychology go into the productivity with the identity piece? Okay, let me see if I understand what you're asking for with the identity. Are you talking about when we have a shift in identity, like how? Yeah, how shift we deal in the identity that? in the sense of okay, so you have the person, especially if you have a new client coming to you, mm-hmm. and they're taking care as a caregiver. But mm-hmm. I think there's also a group of caregivers who their roles have changed or shift. Absolutely. Um, so then how do you deal with that identity and them get it moving away from the guilt or really the identity of who they are? Because sometimes um, I question, is the caregiver the primi- primary role? Like they don't even, I mean, you can have a list of these are all the, you know, I'm a mom, I'm this, I'm, but the caregiver, once that identity is put on there, it trumps everything else. So it becomes their master status. Yeah, that's a really good point. And I think that whether you are in that role and identifying that way or it has shifted and a lot of times it's shifted because there's no longer the need to be the caregiver. It's not that you're stepping out. I understand how like defined that can be and how attached you can be to that. But whether I'm talking to someone currently in caregiver mode, and I do work with caregivers, I actually I've worked with with some clients who we originally worked, you know, in a more traditional productivity way uh, of, you know, oh, how am I balancing, you know, my life uh, and, and my business and things like that to, oh, I'm a caregiver now because many are, are shifting into that role. And whether you are in the role or you have shifted out of it and you are feeling unsettled the question of who you are what you value what you love actually it's multiple questions not just one question but questioning those things and coming to understand them is key if you are currently in the caregiver role or you know and that can be caregiving of a a parent a spouse it could be caregiving um you know a, a medically um I just lost the word for it, but, uh, you know, a child, you know, who has medical issues, it can also be caregiving in a very traditional parenting sense, all of those demands. It's imperative that you also understand the other identities that you have. Now you are allowed to prioritize them. However, your values dictate, but making sure that you have identified those other elements of you and that you are able to nurture them, even if it's a tiny bit. It can be a sliding scale, right? For example, as a caregiver at one point, I was caring for my mom. I had an infant and a toddler. And one of the ways that I care for myself, one of the ways that I I light myself up, that I nourish and nurture myself is through music. Now, the way that I needed to do that then was playing a lot of music, playing it in the car, singing along, you know, making my own karaoke. Now that I am not in the same caregiver mode, now that my children are, are older, they still need my presence. But in a different way, I am playing music again. I am singing in a band. You know, I, I have a more capacity to express that need. So it can be on a sliding scale, but it's still nourishing those different parts of me 
Does that make sense? It does. And I, I think I'm trying to get at, because as I was looking you up, I, I think the niche that you fit when I was looking at everything was the fact yeah. that um, we have this whole generation now where people are kind of shifting in and out of different caregiving roles or, or um, different identities, I'll say. Yeah. And in shifting in the different identities, I just want to make sure that we're kind of giving to the audience the clarity concerning the lifestyle and um, kind of the mentality to say um, it's going to be the sliding scale. So I just want to make sure as because I feel like you're 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 tapping onto this niche that I think that is emerging more so because there's more people like they've got kids, they've got their parents, they've got maybe someone else. that care. It's 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 just a lot of different roles people are playing. Yes. But I question whether or not the lifestyle can trump the caregiving and how you get that person to. I would argue buy into it versus saying, no, this is who I identify at and this is where I'm secure. Hmm. So for starters, like anything else, um, there has to be this idea that they're identifying that way and they're they're good with it because sometimes you know people can have like a hey my system of organizing is lots of piles on my desk and I'm like how's that working out for you and it sounds like I'm being sarcastic and no, a lot no, of times I, I am <laughs> but also but it's a but it's, it's a legit question okay classic case I, I work a lot with with clutter I I do um, I used to do professional organizing and I bring a lot of that to my my coaching as well and and I will say you know clutter to quote uh, Peter Walsh is not just the stuff on the floor, but anything that comes in between you and the life you want to be living. So let's take that and approach it to any kind of clutter, physical clutter, mental clutter, emotional clutter. If it, if you're happy living your life, well, then we're good. Uh, but if you're like, no, I can't live like this. If you're saying those words, like I can't do this anymore. This is too much. I can't live like this. Then that is a sign that you're ready to explore. And and to your point, it can be really difficult because society is praising you for being the selfless caregiver, right? Right. But here's the thing. It's been my theory all along, okay? Caregiving, uh, it this is not an Olympic sport where you get more points for level of difficulty. <laughs> okay? You are doing the impossible already. You're caring for another human, probably in conditions that are extra difficult, just flat out, right? And then extra complicated. Like I know when I cared for my mom, she was always the one caring for me. And now the roles are reversed. And ain't nobody happy with that. Okay. <laughs> just not happening. Right. It's like she was probably feeling defensive and unsure. Her mind was going and that has to be a scary place to be. So she was not pleased. And then I was like, oh, I have to constantly rethink my identity. So you're, you're on this slippery slope. There's so many challenges. So that this is where the compassionate side comes in. We talk about positive psychology and part of positive psychology includes optimism and hope and compassion. And that also means self-compassion. Mm. You're in this impossible situation. And so if you think about the classic question of, all right, 
if you were looking from the outside in, and that's really what coaching is quite a bit, right? I'm bringing the, the objectivity to it. What would you say to a friend? You would say, Hey, take a breath, take a nap, have a, have a cup of iced coffee. Oh no, that, that would be for me. Um, but yeah, that's like, you know, these are my things that I love that, that it sounds silly, but that's okay. That that's the beauty of joy is that you get to decide what brings you joy, what fills you back up, what recharges you. So yeah, if someone's really connected, um, and not able to pull away. It's not that they have to pull away from that identity, but that, and this is positive psychology in play here. You're not trying to pull away from where the problem, you know, is or where you're perceiving it is or any of that. You are looking for the other. It's like, what other amazing parts of you are there or things that you used to do that you can't right now, but you love? Okay, let's play with that. That's that sliding scale thing we were talking about. I think that's going to be so important because one, while we're in this space of maybe giving so much of ourselves to another, we need to still honor, right? Those, those other parts of ourselves. And then also we, we keep the embers going, right? We keep that, that little fire going so that when the space opens, when we are either able to take that step or we are given the space to take that step because the caregiving is done or it's shifted in some fashion, then we are able to rebuild that fire and, and do more, right, with that other part of us. All right. Unfortunately, we're getting close to time. <laughs> So quick. I know, I know, I know. Okay. But before we go, I always like to give the guest space just to say, um, if we've heard nothing else, I want to make sure that you remember, what do you want us to make? And you've given us a lot. Um, what do you want us to remember? I love the quote by Sophia Bush that you are allowed to be a work in progress and a masterpiece simultaneously. And that is what you are in this moment. It is the, the permission, if you will, to to do something different, to try something different, to be something different, to grow, to to be better, but also the encouragement to appreciate who you are in this very moment so much. That's what I would want you to to take away. Powerful. <laughs> Thank you so much for uh, your time. I really, really appreciate it. And I love the fact that you, uh, for me, after looking at all your work and everything, I just um, felt this warmth of just taking that moment to pause um, to invest in you. So thank you so much. Thank you, Shanti. I really appreciate it. It's been a delight talking about this. It's been a wonderful inspiration for me to, to be able to share this again and to always think about it from a new perspective. As we conclude this episode of Women in Justice, we want to thank our guests for joining us and sharing her valuable insights on productivity, self-care, and their intersections with justice and empowerment. Her wisdom and expertise remind us that achieving a balanced, fulfilling life is not only possible, but essential. We hope today's conversation has inspired and empowered you to take an actionable step toward a more balanced and, don't forget, fulfilling life. 
Remember, the journey toward personal growth and justice is ongoing, and it's essential to prioritize self-care and productivity along the way. As always, have a great day.